You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Well, if you're lost in an endless system of dark tunnels and can't figure out how to leave, just look for the helpful green lasers pointing the way out. It's Monday night, it's 7 p.m., and you're with us, and that can only mean it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos. Tonight, it's time to recap and discuss Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 9. Oh, we're almost there. Hide and seek. It's a trip through Chateau Picard's basement. (laughs) Or... Or, I mean, Picard's mind. Either way, same thing. Uh, we're also going through the Borg Queen's head and Jean Luc's nightmares. Oh. As always, we want to hear from you in the Facebook chat and live with us. You know what to do. Click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your phone or call us at 669-900-6833. Enter the meeting code and the password and you will be in the Earl Green Room. Yes. And then, you know what happens? Earl Green in the Earl Green Room will point you to us, or you might just hang out with Earl Green in the Earl Green Room, because apparently that's also where the party is. Um, Holly, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Are you all right? Is everything all right? The elephant in the room is that I have. Yeah. Do we need to pause at any point and uh, get you some water? Maybe take a a break? I have have my tea. Okay. Um, no, I, (laughs) we're going to address this early so that people don't think that something has gone terribly awry. Um, this is totally, I asked for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this was a cosmetic procedure that I opted to have done. Um, and I'm fine. I have a tiny stitch underneath here holding together my skin because a piece of skin was removed. Um, It is getting tested for cancer, although that's not the entire reason why I had it taken out. Um, I had it taken out because it was a permanently stretched out pore called a Mm. dilated pore, and I wanted it to go away. Good. Well, I'm glad you got it to go away. And look, (laughs) and if things start to come apart and open up tonight during the show, just (laughs) off your camera, just, you know. I couldn't decide, like, I was like, is the well, because the stitch is black. Oh, it's yeah. a single stitch, but it's black. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I don't know which one is better, but listen, let's just it's going to get tested for cancer, which is probably something that everybody should do, too. Absolutely. I've had problematic skin most of my adolescence and into my adulthood. And um, yeah, it's OK to go to the dermatologist. You should and take care of things, whether it be cosmetic or cancer concerns oh i'm i'm white 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 first time i went to a dermatologist it's like who's the redhead in your family and i'm like no i get it i know that's my great grandmother <laughs> by the way um and yeah i'm just hoping we get to that logan's run thing where uh it, like you're laying on the bed and the laser comes out and it zaps you and then like uh, a split second later the little the little cooling steam comes out and you're all patched up you're good to go yeah and nobody ever know go to new you and uh yeah that's what you do all right well i'm glad that you're well and uh you know Keep the medical updates coming for us because uh, we all care. Okay? All right. Yay. Very good. All right. Well, let's check out who all is in the chat. Let's see. I think we have at least two Pauls just like right away. I see Paul Harveth. I see Carlos. I see Cosmo. I see Jane. I see David. There's probably at least another David there. I see Jason. Uh, I see Spencer. I see uh, who else? Uh, Cooley. There he is. There's John Cooley. There's Carrie. Uh, Oh, there's the other Dave. I knew. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Questions coming. People are already chatting. Paul Wright, that's our Paul number two. He says, poor Holly. 
I, it's, you know what? I, it was, I opted to have it done. I went in and said, please remove this. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Uh, Oh, and Scott Palm says, Holly is the new Borg queen. Um, (laughs) Does the Borg queen put on bandages? I think she just just goes along with it. Need time to heal. She would be fine with a gaping open pore. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, and then let's see, there's uh, Brian, uh, there's Evelyn, uh, oh, there he is, There, there's Bob Amos, Bob, yeah. oh, and Bob says, and she never told her mom or dad. About what? Uh, About this? Yeah. My mom was the first person I called. Oh, okay, okay, all right. All right, well, just, you know, just wanted to make sure, oh, and then Carlos says, yeah, um, if Holly starts eating Tesla batteries, run. So then we'll know that there's something coming from that uh, that little procedure there. So, yeah, all right, so we're all good. Uh, nice checking in with everybody here, and already there are people waiting in the caller's queue. We got Alan, Jason, Paul, Matthew, so everybody else, Go ahead. Now is the time. Call in. Get in that queue so we can take your questions and comments. Can't wait to hear what people say about tonight's episode. By the way, before we get to that, don't forget this week on the regular Mission Log on Thursday, we will release Prime Factors. Had a really good discussion about that one. So please check out that episode. Let's talk about Mission Log spinoffs, The Orville and Mission Log Prodigy. Did you know that both of those shows are available as podcasts and videos. We release all of those on YouTube and in our podcast feed. So if you want to catch up on recent episodes like the Orville interview with writer-producer David A. Goodman, such a fun interview, you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com, you click on the show that you want, and then you can find every available audio feed as well as the YouTube channel for each show. Mission Log Engage, that is a playlist you will also find on YouTube for your perusal. So more episodes are coming soon, and please send us your comments and questions for future installments. Please, under 12 pages, single space. That would be very helpful as Norman and I go through those comments. Uh, That address again for YouTube, youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment or Roddenberry Prod. And make sure you stay in touch with all of those podcasts again at podcast.roddenberry.com. And now, if you'll allow me, a little recap of this week's Picard, Season 2, Episode 9, Hide and Seek. Little? Uh, You know, I tried to keep it down to a few paragraphs. Wait, okay, well, that looks a little (laughs) longer than when I wrote it. But, you know, uh, we'll... Bear with me. We'll get through this together. It's not looking good on La Serena. Quasi-Borg soldiers keep beaming in, and Agnes Gerardi Queen gets ever closer to becoming completely Borged out. Rios, Dr. Ramirez, and her son run for cover at Chateau Picard, just as the Chateau's namesake and the clo- and uh, and the oh clothes really wow thank you autocorrect and the others beam in to see if they can hold off those soldiers and still somehow prevent Gerardi from taking their ride home. The Gerardi part of the Borg Queen's mind has set up a little roadblock for the Queen, though. She locked La Sirena's controls and then promptly forgot the password. Only she put it in a holo simulation of one of the ship's passengers, Elnor. So anyone who wants that code has got to go through the emergency combat hologram. As Hollow Elnor plays full contact, body count, keep away from the Queen's soldiers, the rest of the crew are doing the same, defending Chateau Picard while trying to hatch a plan to take back La Serena. 
Not participating will be Rios, Ramirez, and the boy. Once, Ramir- once Rios is hit with enemy fire, Talin beams them back to her apartment, and Picard orders that she lock them out from coming back. Then it's time to greet a returning... Oh, hello, Dr. Sung. He's here to wipe out Picard himself. Make sure the Borg Queen keeps La Serena, destroys the Europa mission, and thus ensures a Sung dynasty in the future. Picard isn't having Sung's offer and instead convinces Talin that they need to retreat deeper into Chateau Picard's tunnels while Seven and Raffi fight their way to La Serena. All of this brings back challenging memories for Picard. He, the young boy playing hide-and-seek, ding, 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 with his haunted, melancholy mother while his curmudgeon father does other things. Seven and Rafi keep inching their way back to La Serena. Hollow Elnor does his best to thwart the new Borg Queen. Dr. Ramirez does her best to talk Rios out of rewiring Talin's transporter, since he's injured and should not go back to help the others. That leaves Talin and Picard going ever deeper into the depths of the chateau, with Sung and a few quasi-Borg soldiers on their tail. But Seven and Rafi have snuck back on board La Serena long enough to find Hollow Elnor, and he gives Seven the ship's access codes, which allows her to beam out all those soldiers directly into the walls of the chateau. That buys Picard and Talin a little time, and they head to the solarium. What it doesn't do is beam away the new Borg Queen because she has a transport inhibitor, which she's itching, and she's itching for a fight. Her Borg tentacles disrupt the hologram, knock the gun out of Raffi's hand, and stab Seven painfully in the abdomen. Then she transfers ship controls back to herself. As Seven lays dying, Jurati Queen picks up a knife to finish her off, but it's the voice in her head, Agnes's compassion and care, that takes over for a moment. She can't finish off Seven, as Agnes's voice has gotten stronger. She sees what the Queen has seen, certain doom for the Borg in every version of every timeline. Her driving force is connection and longevity, and that's why she's always been fighting so hard. Here, then, is an opportunity for the Borg to start anew, without having to exist through fear. Agnes's voice of reason merges enough with the Borg Queen that she revives Seven by making her Borg again. This new queen, the summation of the previous queen's knowledge and experience along with Jurati's appeal to do something better for the species she encounters, gives it all a second thought. And that's quite a good deal to have this ship here, 400 years in the past, to get moving on a whole new kind of Borg collective, one that sees strength and diversity. Meanwhile, back at the chateau, Picard and Talin have made it to the solarium, but Sung and his goons are right behind them. Soong speechifies a bit about his glorious future, even as Picard tries to reason with him. As the reasoning runs out, though, Rios has made it back through the transporter and saves the day. Only Soong has run off when he accidentally sets Talon's disruptor to destruct. Rios heads back to his ship, but Picard stays behind, haunted by the memories that flood back. Foremost, the repressed memory of his mother's suicide, the tragic moment he couldn't remember for all these years, the person he couldn't save. Jurati Queen beams Seven and Raffi to the Chateau grounds as she departs with La Serena, just in time for Rios to watch her fly away. And as Picard and Talen join the group, they have no ship, but they have each other. And there's still the matter of the Europa mission, which Dr. Sung will surely try to stop, 
There was one last message from Gerardi Queen before she left, though. There must be two Rene Picards, one who lives and one who dies. And that sends our team away to resolve that mystery before the Europa launch, the end. What? Yeah. You got that look on your face, Holly. No, I was about to sneeze. Oh, um, <laughs> oh that, it was not an editorial comment. No. Uh, well, but the, <laughs> you ended on the two Renee Picards. And I was like, yeah. my immediate thought when mm-hmm. she said that, I was like, D- is it the same Renee Picard that she's saying? Oh. Needs, like there needs to be one of this version of Renee. And because I mean, a Renee Picard dies, but way mm-hmm. off in the future. Picard. Yeah. Yeah. P- Picard's uh, nephew's name is Renee, and yeah. he dies in a fire. Yeah. Which we Tragic. find out about in generations. We don't actually see it. We just watch Picard as he finds out about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, she could mean those two Renees, or she could, uh, I mean, given all the timeline shenanigans and everything, you, you could possibly have other Renees or uses for Renee here. So I guess we'll just have to wait and find out, won't we? We will. All right. Well, let's speculate further with our first caller. Yeah, joining us from the poster for the 2008 promo of the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek film, it's Alan. Welcome to the Hello. show, Alan. How's it going? Hi, John. Hi, Holly. Um, Hi. Well, first of all, I'd like to start off uh, by quoting that old French proverb. Uh, inside all of us, there are two Rene Picards, <laughs> and the one that survives is the one that you feed. <laughs> that, that's so good. Those French, they mm-hmm. they know how to turn a phrase. Exactly. So, yes. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, I guess we have to see which Rene Picard gets, uh, and, <laughs> and then then we'll know what happens. Mm, yes. uh, is that okay? So, do you have a speculation about the two Renes? One. Oh uh, well, one I US die. I kind of agree, roughly, with the idea of you know it meaning both. Uh, his his nephew and and his progenitor or ancestor, I guess, uh, that they're dealing with now. I'm just, I, I, yeah, that's that is sort of a uh, a peculiar turn of phrase. Um, I don't know why I thought of of the nephew when she said, like, I didn't even think that mm-hmm. it meant two versions of the of the ancestor female. Yeah, yeah, astronaut. I I my brain immediately went to a Renee already died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we're, we're, we've spent so much time at the Chateau, and that's where that, that took place. Right. So, yeah, yeah it's sort of foremost on our minds. Um, yeah. So, uh, overall, I really I really enjoyed this episode. I thought thematically that it, it held together very well. The idea of it being hide-and-seek in so mm-hmm. many different ways was just – it was really good. This This sort of was like kind of – I, you know, it's not that I, you know, totally agree with, with some of the criticism of the season so far. But last week when I wrote my question uh, for, for Kirsten, this is kind of what I had in mind was a, an mm-hmm. episode that can exist on its own, that has its own themes running together, si- you know, side by side, but also contributes to the to the greater whole. This was good. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, by the way, as we were talking about various pieces of the Picard family, um, somebody did mention, uh, where is Robert? And, uh, Paul, 
Paul by oh, uh, away at boarding school. Is, apparently, yes. it was explained in an earlier it, it's, episode. It that was such a throwaway comment by Yvette that you know your your father is out in in the dirt while your brother is toiling away at school. So yeah, he's at, he's at boarding school. Nice. This okay. is the why Voyager holodeck uh, question of, of uh, season two of Picard. <laughs> right. Yes. It's like, yes, I, they explained it. They explained it. Yeah. I, I get to tell you how many emails and comments we have gotten about, well, if they can't use <sighs> the replicator, why yeah. can they use now that I'm not saying I agree. Mm. I'm not, I'm not saying that it totally uh, holds up to logical scrutiny, but they did at least address it. There, is a throwaway line that addresses it. Yes, yes. yes because they knew that people would ask. Well, it's the same uh, way they're... paper over this issue. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the same way that they're they're addressing the retcon of Yvette committing suicide. Because... Well, okay, so, I, and by the way, somebody said uh, in here who played Mamon, uh, who was the old Mamon in TNG, and I, I think, ah. Carlos, maybe you're asking for the actor... Um, yeah. and, and someone on uh, someone on the Discord went through this. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yes, yes, there, there is quite a discussion in the Discord about that, and and I think what's so her name is Herta Ware. Nicely done, nicely done. Thank you, Ooh. IMDb. Um, but what I, I really like is just very specifically the phrasing of that line that Picard has that Jean Luc oh. has in this episode. I used to imagine her mm-hmm. as an old woman serving me tea and dropping in for a chat. And that just adds so much more weight and resonance and heartbreak to that scene. Yeah. Which, you know, look in early TNG, I think as they are finding the characters, there, there are little biographical details that they throw in like that, that they're really not thinking too deeply of. It's just like, they're certainly not thinking that it's going to exist, still exist 30 years later and someone's going to want to retcon it. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, But I, I, this is the kind of retcon that I really like where just with, a few choice words in a sentence, you can really just add layers of depth. Not You're not rewriting something. You're just adding depth. And wow, then that really yeah. means that Picard has walked around with this idea of his mother in his head for so long. It, so it's, for those, it's tragic. For those of oh, you man. curious, this is, uh, she appears now as what we are are accepting as having been an illusion mm-hmm. based on this episode, but it, it's the episode where n- no one has gone before. It's the sixth yes. episode of the first season. So if you guys want to watch that, I did see somebody arguing about the fact that a photo of her also appears in the Picard family album. Mm. It is in the Picard family album. It never appeared on screen though. So it doesn't. Count. Oh, okay. <laughs> that could be, that could be the, old woman template that he's used <laughs> to sort of imprint this idea of his mother on to be a picture of a hologram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Computer create old woman. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> reaching. <laughs> right. uh, so wait, Holly in that, uh, cause I, uh, well, I obviously you've seen the book and, and I think uh, many the of book? us have yeah, seen the, the book. book is yeah. In the archive. Yeah. But <sighs> that book, was it at the experience for a little while and yes. did they, or did they not change the pages yes. in that book? They did. They time. partially yeah. changed the pages so that people who were repeat attendees would see something mm-hmm. different, but they also partially changed it because um, the lights were not kind 
to any of the things that were under those lights. Oh, sure, sure. So it was open to a page with Wesley Crusher for a very long time, and it's very apparent in the center um, that the light was on it for a very long time. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And uh, fun fact, if you keep turning the pages, there is the uh, there's the Jean-Luc Picard recipe for uh, spotted dick somewhere mm. in those pages. There's all sorts of random stuff. Wow. In there. There, 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 I, I made that up just because. <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. um, you had me. You had me. <laughs> I mean, I, I've looked through it and you could have fooled me because there's <laughs> there's enough stuff in that I would have been like, oh, yeah, maybe I just missed that. Um I believe that is Denise my o- favorite dessert. Yeah. <laughs> I believe Denise Okuda mostly put that book together. Nice. Well, that, that yeah. would make sense. Good. Uh, a picture of my fish. <laughs> yeah. oh, is there a that... picture of Livingston in there? I don't think there well, is. Well, there should be because there is no more Livingston after, mm. uh, yeah, after what happened to the Enterprise D. I'm just going to say, I yeah. <laughs> I don't think the fish could make it. Another uh, Picard family tragedy. I, I, exactly. Exactly. And Picard imagines future conversations with his fish. Uh, <laughs> Alan, any uh, any other thoughts on uh, tonight's episode? I did come with a bit. I, I, I just finished mm-hmm. watching The Ready Room, and uh, Michelle Hurd uh, explained that uh, when people wrap the show, uh, she uh, comes and uh, spends some time with them and often sings a song. So I have prepared something oh, uh, for oh, one nice. of our cast members who may uh, may or may not return. Uh, so on the assumption that this may be the end. Okay. Star Trek Picard so groovy. Hey, can we get a movie? What do you say now, Elnor, can we? Elnor, gee, we think you're swell. Do your action seem so well? Your Rafi's pride and joy, etc. Elnor, even though you died, you still got to show your pride. Here's hoping that you will get better. Oh my, I mean, come Elnor, on! <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody croon the word etc. Etc. I was. Yes. Oh my! It, it was either that or Agnes Girati merged with a Borg that she took to the past. Oh my so God! Fast. Assimilation become beaming the drones to the Chateau Picard. Shoot up the yard. <laughs> Amazing! Oh my na, 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 God! Not La Serena. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like in your brain? I don't know. (laughs) Stuff just happens. It just comes out. These, like I said on Facebook recently, these are the thoughts that kept me out of the really good schools. (laughs) Carlos is thrilled. This is all parody. These are those were parodies. This is fair use. (laughs) Carlos is thrilled. Podcast and a song, multiple songs. So yes, Uh, uh, Mike thrilled. La Serena definitely giving you thumbs up there. And then oh wow, and uh, David says closed captioning can detect and spell etc. properly. Wow, excellent. Yeah, man, that's amazing. Well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. I uh, I feel terrible for our next caller who better have a song prepared. <laughs> three, <laughs> no, three songs. Have, yeah, better better have three. Awesome. Uh, Paul says Alan for the win again. <laughs> so there you go, man. All, All right. right, well, Alan, take care. We'll see it. We'll see you maybe for a two for next week. Yeah, I can't see. wait. Yeah, awesome. All right, have a good have one, a good man. One. Take Bye-bye. care.
All right. And now with the musical stylings of Jason. <laughs> no? Yes? No, no. It's no. a lot of pressure. Okay. It is a no, lot of pressure. No. If, if I was singing, the podcast would end. <laughs> you do like not this, want me singing at all. Instead of a needle scratching across a record. And it yeah, would yeah, like that. <laughs> okay. Can't carry a tune in a bucket with a forklift and a chain, so we'll go with that. Hey, don't sell yourself short, man. I, you know, they, maybe you just haven't found the right song. Maybe that. I'll keep it. looking. I'll okay. Keep All right. Well, other than music and uh, not performing a song tonight, what is on your mind, Jason? Gerardi's uh, speech. Oh, okay. Bring it. That that was uh, for one. Okay, one. I love the irony that we had probably one of the best Picard speeches ever, and Picard didn't give it. Hmm. Hmm. The second thing, though, about Gerardi's speech, as much as I was like wanting to stand up and applaud i also had to sit there and go is that really going to work i have the same question um mostly attached to the timey wiminess yeah because if there's no borg as we know them in the future doesn't that still fundamentally ch- i mean it certainly changes like <laughs> hard for sure changes mm-hmm. it changes 7 so is this like a back to the future thing then where they're returning to a changed future because they changed the history of the Borg or, well, yeah, because Gerardi is leaving, Gerardi Queen is leaving Earth 400 years in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's 400 years of Borg development with her motivations, her mind. Um are there other Borg queens? Are there other Borg offshoots at that time that are out there doing their thing? Um, because, yeah, it could mean that that basically they're returning to, uh, you know, Hill Valley version two, where you've got, you know, the better version of the McFly family. I don't know. I, I'm almost positive, yeah, the, the Borg queen we saw at the beginning of Picard has to be Gerardi. It, it just loops back too quick or too well for it. But, yeah, I'm sitting there going, well, okay, is the, but, the, the, hmm. yeah. I'm confused. I'm yeah. very confused on how this is going to work, even given travel time between Earth and the Delta Quadrant. I mean, yeah. that would have taken Voyager 78 years, so that's still 300 of Borg. Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. You're, you're blowing my mind a little bit here. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's would... a lot of stuff that wouldn't ha- that wouldn't happen. Like I, you know, first. I mean, first contact is an interesting one because that's also timey wimey, right? Like they travel back to yeah. stop the Borg. Maybe they wouldn't have to because the Borg's motivation isn't to stop first contact at that point. Right. Ooh. Ah. ah. <laughs> yeah, I think we broke the timeline. I, I think so. I think so. Um, Paul says it would change everything. No Wolf 359, no Deep Space Nine. Oh, you know who wouldn't die then? Cisco's, Cisco's wife. wife. Oh, so you could just be done with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, wow. And then Cisco wouldn't hate Picard. Right. Um, oh, man. Jake would be an entirely different person if he had a mother figure in his life. Yeah. yeah. Cisco would be an entirely different person having not lost a partner. 
Dave says it's so messy, so many dead butterflies. Yeah, we're just crushing butterflies I mean, everywhere. Listen, so and here's the thing is even the, the crazy thing about timey-wimeyness of all this is even if you change something that's terrible for the better in terms of changing the Borg's motivation from assimilating people out of fear and horror, mm. it, even if you change it to something good, it still fundamentally changes the way everybody interacts with each other, the way people develop as a character, as sure. a person, like it still changes everything. Yeah. All right. Uh, we, need, we need to talk to another writer about this. Uh, by the way, your, your dad says, uh, and like the McFly family, the Borg Queen will return and direct an episode of Picard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Well I said. Well, that. Man, that's uh, so, yeah. Now that we're all sort of uh, we, we've had our uh, brains rattled by this revelation, I do want to go back to that uh, speech, though, because I thought. You know, in the tradition of Star Trek, whether it's the Kirk speech or the Picard speech or the Cisco speech or the Janeway speech, like that, that's almost always um, a great fantasy element of the show is that the right person with the right words can change history or change the future as it comes. That's what we all want. That's what we all hope for in that moment, you know? And you have to wonder then if the Borg can overcome their programming in that respect, because that that is a program that exists, it's running. How much of that can be overpowered by the sense of compassion and uh, uh, respect for life? And and I, I I wrote down this line that I thought was so good that Gerardi said, uh, "What you've written off as weakness is actually strength, cooperation." And that is a great thesis statement for Star Trek overall, but certainly mm -hmm. a, a theme of. Picard as a uh, as a series or at least as uh, as a season. Um, mm -hmm. So a whole lot of itic going on in the whole episode, but especially in that moment. But yeah, now you have to wonder how does it stick and how does it overcome the rest of that programming and how does it change the timeline now? <laughs> oh. Everything else. Everything else. Okay. Any, any other bombs you want to drop tonight? <laughs> okay, I got one. I'm going to leave with. I'm going to leave you, you guys with. Okay. I'm gonna, no. I he's just going to gonna say it and then. Well, he's going to sing it. No, I'm, not <laughs> singing it. <laughs> I'm not singing it. I promise. I you don't want it. Um, okay. Here is a here is an interesting idea. What if? And this is a TNG reference, but going back. Why was Data unemotional? What if Nunian soon made Data exactly without emotion? We know he could do it. Lore had him. Mm -hmm. Yep. But think of the Soong family. Think how completely messed up the Soongs we have seen so far is. Do you think Nunyan Soong deliberately made data without the capacity for emotion to give him the ethics that he and his family lacked? That data Ooh. could learn to actually enjoy humanity as is instead of trying to improve it like the rest of the Soong family seems to be on the, on the verge of trying to do all the time. Oh, that is interesting. I mean, you would have to assume a lot about Nunian Soong, but he's a smart guy. He, you know, knows how to do his he's research. He's a smart guy. He is a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 could, <laughs> he could read the records of his family, but would he be able to know, wow, all these people who look exactly like me for hundreds of years, uh, some of them are a bit unhinged. 
maybe can't be trusted with power. So maybe one of the things in a very Vulcan way, maybe one of the things to do is to make sure that the next version uh, doesn't, uh, they, they aren't ruled by their emotions where they might uh, lash out and create a problem. That That is interesting about, uh, yeah, that, that, strange sort of uh fetishization of of the unemotional um and would that be a uh an influencing factor on that that's yeah gotta wonder i just i just was thinking about that looking at uh adam sung's great you know mustache twirling villainy that brent spiner was obviously yeah, i mean way too much fun Brent, yeah. Brent Spiner as a baddie is throwing me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he doing a great, he's doing a great job. Data is my favorite character of all time. So me watching him and being like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah my, my sons were a little confused. Like, he looks like Data. That is Data. Yeah. That's Data. That's the actor. Why is he bad? Uh, I'll get back but, to you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had the same, you know, Eric Soon was the same way. I was like, ah, oh, this, is, this is throwing me off. Yeah. 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 Well, and look, one thing that we can say is definitely the Soong genes are very strong for hundreds of years. Yeah, (laughs) that they all just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Jason, thank you very much for joining us. Um, We'll see you next time, I hope. And uh, thank you for the comments and for splitting all of our heads wide open. Yay. No songs, but I did give you guys some fun stuff to think on. So You did. Thank you very much. Hopefully it it equals out. Yes, yes, it does. Take care. Hey, I'm going to read a couple more comments here before we uh, take our mid-show uh, shameless commercialization. Um, I, I do like here that uh, Alan says that was totally a Kirk speech. She talked down a robot. Yeah. Yes. So in the greatest tradition of the Kirk speech, absolutely the case. Um, let's see here. Carlos says uh, Picard has to sacrifice Robert and Rene to save the timeline. Um, and let's see here. Uh, do, do, do. Oh, where was. Oh, and of course, Alan coming with give the Borg. You're tired. You're poor. You're huddled masses yearning <laughs> to breathe free. Of course. Uh, excellent. Thank you for these comments. Uh Oh, Alan uh, says Noonien did tell Data that he was not inferior to Lore. Interesting. All right. So next week, a song for Sung. Interesting. All right. Guys, keep at it. I'll keep referring back to your notes. And I do want to just very quickly here, as we got a few callers lined up, I want to very quickly remind everybody that there is a lot of good conversation going on, as referenced by Alan, in the Mission Log Discord, which is exclusive to the Mission Log Patreon. So if you're a member at patreon.com slash mission log, you get all kinds of stuff anyway. You get swag that is exclusive to Patreon. You get early access to the unedited shows. You get video. You get all kinds of stuff. But really the heart and soul of that whole experience is the Mission Log Discord. There are so many channels of communication there. We have our live chats every uh, Thursday afternoon. And um, and it's just great. It is truly a community of people who like to get together and not just talk about Trek, talk about all kinds of other sci-fi, random fandom, the Epicurean channel that I'm a big fan of. So a lot going on there. And it's just lovely to check in every day, see what people are saying. And uh, you don't want to miss out on that. So you know what to do. Patreon.com slash mission log. And very quickly, you will get an invitation from us to join the mission log discord. All right. 
Let Yay. us move on to our next caller. It is one of the many Pauls who is a Patreon member and a listener to Mission Log. It is Paul Harveth. How's it going tonight, Paul? Hey, it's going great. Monday night regular also. Yes, obviously. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for having me. I can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys doing this. What a amazing, amazing display of acting prowess once again. Um, uh, the last caller, Jason, did he mention something about what the Borg message was to Picard when they first came in? That message was look up, correct? Look up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, did yep. he say anything about that? No. Okay, no. so let's figure out where that has been told to Patrick Stewart, right? It was told mm-hmm. to him in the observatory or solarium by his mm-hmm. mother. Right. How does that get to the Borg? So the only one who has a clue about that right now is um, Orla Brady's character. Talyn, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So how does that yeah. get to Gerardi next week if she's actually the board queen? So there's oh. a puzzle. That's one puzzle. Okay. Um, the other you know, more interesting puzzle is where is Corey fitting in this? I can't believe she's done. She's going to either run into her father, stop her father, rescue her father. Something's going to happen there. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how that one ties up. Um, and also at some point we really have to have the expert analysis of the sword play demonstrated by Andrade <laughs> and, and Elnor uh, oh, by, okay, by yeah. Norman. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Norman yeah. is going to have many opinions about that. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And of course the last one to tie up Rios has just made a mess of all of this. Uh, <laughs> they've, they've made out twice now. So uh, any opinion, where's that going? My bets, I bet she's coming forward. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, you really can't do anything else with that that pairing. Either they have to go forward, or he has to stay behind. Like there, we don't want them to what? split up. Why? What? They're lovely together. No, I didn't say that they what? weren't lovely. I, you, but he, they've already sort of split up. He's like, "This is your timeline, not mine." Bye. Hmm. You, I mean, but come on. I mean, I, I feel there's like genuine chemistry. There's genuinely a bond there. I can't imagine that he would just like. Okay, but that ya. sort of selfish motivation, though, is the same kind of selfish motivation that Soon has. Like, but it, I mean, it's wholesome, <laughs> but it's still going to screw everything up. Hey, if Kirk can bring Jillian Taylor into the future, because he could have just said, nope, stay right there. We're, we're transferring Listen, you back. I love me some Jillian Taylor, too, but that was also a mistake. Many, many dead butterflies. I, who's going to take care of the whales? Yeah, but butterflies only live a week anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the caterpillars live a long time. The butterflies, yeah, you know, you we go. put this up. You should be able to get three or four or five, you know, monarch families a year here in Michigan. So, you know, I'm not worried. <laughs> you know, it's the caterpillars exactly. you got to worry about. So, <laughs> uh, well, see, there you go. Exactly. I, you know, I, I'm thinking back to that scene at in the pilot episode with the Borg Queen saying, "Look up." And if I'm not mistaken, do they? The voice is actually the voice of his mother. Maybe I wasn't sure. You know, John. I when they when yeah. when that happened, I thought, "Who?" You know. So they, there's obviously a connection between his mother somehow, but I didn't. I don't think it sounded like his mother at the time. I thought, yeah. "Well, that's a Borg Queen voice." Yeah. Um, it's it's really really interesting um pretty excited for for this finale you know yeah. you you also have the Talin um characters you know ancestor or i guess 
you know, we don't know descendant. Yeah. What's going to happen if, assuming that they all get back to normal timeline, right, um, right. will that relationship start off better than it had terminated in episode one? So, wow, it's it's great. It's great build up to some. <laughs> it should be like a three hour ending if done the way they've told the rest of this story, stretched yeah. it out. Yeah. So this is I, like. I'm, this is, this is like when you were coming to the end of an episode. I mean, back in the day when we were coming to the end of an episode on network television and you could feel like that they couldn't wrap it up that quickly. And you're like, oh, no, there's a to be continued. Yeah, right. right like right. it's looming. Yeah. I think Jerry Seinfeld has a whole joke about that. But yeah. this feels very <laughs> loomy. Like you're not going to be able to wrap this, wrap this up in like an hour ish. Yeah, um, it'll be it'll be really fun to watch. I'm concerned. looking forward to it. And then followed by, you know, Strange New Worlds. What a great week. What a yeah. great week for Star Trek next week. Yeah. So just want to hear your thoughts on what do you think Corey is going to play in all this? That's yeah, that that's a tough one, because I mean, I, I love her moment of breaking away from Soong. I, I thought that was it, it was earned. It was powerful, especially when you learn about the history that he's had with just being this mad scientist creator with a God complex generating all of these offspring, but not really caring about who they are, just about what they are in terms of his achievement. So it was great to see her get away. But yeah, they they haven't really tied her to the overall story that well. The only and, thing that I can think of is that she's going to have something to do with she would have something to do with his downfall in terms of him going the way of dying and mm. his 90 proof vomit or however Gerardi queen <laughs> describes right. that. Right. Right. I mean, uh, she's going to report him to authorities and like, but she, I mean, at the same time she would out herself, right? Like I am a creation, not a natural born human. Okay. But wait, but if she has something to do with Sung dying, I mean, does Sung have, a naturally occurring son or daughter, because there are many, many songs throughout the remainder of the future yet to come, because God knows the Sung genetics are strong and last well into the 24th century. <laughs> so if, if he just dies or she has something to do with his death, who then is but, there to carry but what on? May, I mean, first of all, he is a male in the line of family members. What makes yeah. you think that he doesn't have like a brother who's actually like, oh, it doesn't have he doesn't have to be the direct descendant. It, it, yeah, it's just strong coincidence. They're all males. They all, so they're all going to have the same. They're all going to have the same last name. And they all look like Prince Spiner. Yeah. Who, you know, at the yeah. party, at the party, it would have been so interesting if Sung, Sung would have hooked up with Girati. Just think where we'd be now. You know? <laughs> that would be amazing. You'd have you'd have Sung and the Borg Queen. Holy cow, that'd be interesting. Those offspring would be interesting. That, that um, would be that would be some serious. Yeah, that, yeah, that should be its own little sitcom. <laughs> I'll leave you with that. Looking forward okay. to next week. All right. Always. Thank you. Sir. <laughs> See, here's the thing that we, we Jason already haunted us with the timeline thing. You're going to haunt me with the uh, look up. <laughs> Uh, phrase because now I'm going to constantly yeah. be trying to put those pieces together, figuring out That's how me. in the world those fit. All, I, all, all year, all season, I've been trying to figure that out. So fair, absolutely fair. All right, carry on. Hope to see you next week. All right, see we'll guys. see you then, man. Bye. Bye, bye. Holly, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think Brent has kids, right? But yeah, he does. Does he? I think he does. 
Okay. Well, you're going to hit IMDb and find out. But I, yeah. I, all I want to know is that if, if Brent Spiner has kids, especially if he has boys, I will be very disappointed if they don't look exactly like him. <laughs> like down to, yeah, down to Maybe every last detail. I don't know. I thought he didn't, but you know. Somebody in chat's going to get to it before I do. They will. But I, I, in order for this to be real to me. Yes, he I, does. He has one child. He does? Yeah. Boy or a girl? I don't know. It says children one. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. But they, they got to look exactly like him. And then, then I'll be able to believe the, uh, the Sung dynasty here. All right. Let's go to our next caller calling from a very long way away. It is Matthew. How are you doing tonight, Matthew? Good to see you. Pretty good. If I'm calling into a Mission Hog Live, that means it's my vacation. Yay. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> right on. Because it would be uh, Tuesday. And uh, yeah. So you must be off. Is it, is it a spring break? What's going on? Jackson Spiner. It's a boy. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. I, uh. I want pictures <laughs> and I better look exactly like young Brent Spiner. All right. Uh, they call it Golden Week out here where they just have a few national holidays and uh, a lot of people get the week off. Although they're making the kids go to school on Monday and Friday, so their uh, vacation gets a bit hosed. But uh, oh, wow. yeah, I got some time working on my own podcast. I, maybe I'll finally build this. <laughs> Whoa, nice. Yes, yes. My, my Enterprise C has been in my closet for a while, so maybe that's, I have some time. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I love it. What? Jackson Spiner does, yes. Does he look exactly like He's him? a clone? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we, we've got real life like examples. Uh, Nick Cage. He was in the Civil War, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was in the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Let's check back in 400 years and see if uh, Jackson Spiner's kids all look like him. <laughs> all right. All right, Sam. What do you, What do you got for us tonight? I, I'm not Sam. Sam's coming up next. You're Sam's right. next. No, Matthew's yeah. on right sorry, now. I'm, I'm looking at the whole Brady Bunch grid here. Yeah, yes. we're both on this grid. Oh. Yeah. Wow, that's a real nice lead-in because I was about to mention the Brady Bunch. Um, <gasps> oh, you know. <laughs> whoa, we're psychically connected. All right. Yeah. So, All right. you know, Star Trek, we come in, we talk about the substance a lot, right? You know, yeah. where's this plot going? What does it mean? Meanings, morals, messages. Sure. Uh, this last episode, I really started thinking about the style, something we don't get with Star Trek a lot. And I was mm -hmm. thinking of like um, shows that signify a certain decade, like the Brady Bunch is a very strong signifier for the 70s. You know, Magnum P.I. or Miami Vice for the 80s, Mission yeah. Impossible for the 60s. I would say Lost for the aughts. Um, okay. And watching this, by going back in time, this show's so stylish. I'm wondering if this is the 2020s vibe we're really getting here. Ooh. Okay, interesting. What, um, let me ask you, what are the stylistic elements that stand out to you that look particularly unique or or will forever be associated with this iteration of star trek because i i will tell you like um there are there are elements that i think that are really well done that are are hyper stylized in a good way like i think the design of la sirena is beautiful but it's also just very practical like it, it is a device for transporting things and but it, it feels very real in that universe I think the Stargazer Bridge is very impressive, but it is also very shiny. And that's a little bit <laughs> like, uh, you know, it, it's like the first time we see the Death Star. Like everything inside is super shiny. Like I just picture stormtroopers slipping all over the place and falling down, you know. Um, some of the scenes in this 
Um, I felt just from a production angle, like some of those overheads of the uh, quasi-Borg soldiers with their green lasers and the shots going off look a little video game-ish and not not in a good way, you know, and that to me felt kind of dated. But then other things I thought looked really cool, like the sight of Talin with that giant blaster that she had. I was like, yeah, I want more of that. (laughs) So I'm, yeah, I'm curious, you know, and of course with Seven, the, the reveal of Seven looking like Seven again at the end, that looks like Seven from the 90s. So there's there's not a thing there that is specifically 2022. What what in it to you is like the thing that'll last? Actually, it's all the the other stuff because you know mm-hmm. Star Trek, like like the original show is very 60s, but it's 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 its own thing. It's not 60s yeah. style. Yeah. So what I'm thinking about here are the. Uh, cars they've chosen to use in the production for our chases and things um Uh, the party a few episodes ago a definite hit you know i mean that's just like again that's you know mission impossible kind of beamed into the modern age very uh, much so maybe by 2024 a a red dress with combat boots will will be a thing (laughs) so (laughs) it could be could very well be yeah so it's it's actually the non-sci-fi elements of this that are really picking up and i'm and that's making me think now that we're at the penultimate episode yeah that maybe the thing i really like about season two of picard is all the not sci-fi stuff i mean it's a classy show it looks good it's acted classily people have wear nice watches when you see them you know with a watch (laughs) on or whatever (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah yeah well, I would say I, I wonder if because um, I, I think you're right. The things that stand out here, like Gerardi's dress at the party, for that matter, all the women's dresses look incredible. Most of the guys who do formal wear, it's always black tie, and that that kind of is timeless. Uh, but those cocktail gowns on everybody looked incredible. I think that will, yeah, that's an indelible image. Her with the combat boots walking around L.A. I, we are going to see so many cosplay of that <laughs> you know i i absolutely know that that will be the case i i think that stuff has definitely eclipsed the uniforms because what's weird to me is that you know we had an entire decade more than a decade of star trek looking like 24th century star trek and those uniforms changed a little but they all felt like kind of a natural progression but but now that we had so much of that it feels like it's locked in that time from 1987 to 2001 you know the the tng ds9 voyager aesthetic right and now whenever they reinvent stuff for modern day Picard, and I won't even get into Discovery because they've had three major costume changes so far, um, those uniforms become really secondary. They, they become far less important than seeing our characters in their like cool either civilian or uh, butt-kicking clothes. You know, like they made a point when they landed on Earth that like Seven's going through the lockers to find the butt kicking clothes to go blend in, but assume that there will be butt kicking in LA. It, it made me think of, um, I think what Valeria said when you did the first episode, which mm-hmm. was that, um, you know, the first episode was so Starfleet. It was sort of like a disappointment. I was like, no, that was all cool stuff. Yeah. I liked it. But now <laughs> that I've, now that I've seen eight more episodes, seven of which are in the, you know, 2024 timeframe, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is kind of the, uh, you know, this is the ACE in their hand to, 
kind of be Star Trek, but not really be Star Trek. And I'm not like a gatekeeping way. I'm yeah. just saying like we're getting a, such a different flavor. It's, you know. Well, I think uh, a lot of people felt the same way about Star Trek 4. Yeah. Is that the, yeah. the underlying what they were doing was sci-fi in theory, but everything else that surrounded it was 1986 fun. Yeah. Yeah. This one really adds like class to the uh, to the style, I think. Though in a way, Star Trek Four was more about like you know like a mid range Italian restaurant Michelob, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but you know th- this is a good point, and, and I don't think this is a right or wrong way to come at the story that you want to tell. You know the the reality is they've got ten episodes or roughly ten hours, give or take, to tell this story. And I, I said in our recaps and reviews here, I felt like the middle got really slow and i'm glad that here at the end we've really ramped up the plot elements that need to get us to the resolution that we want um but i feel like if any of the writers sat around and said hmm you know what um star trek generally does some pretty good things when it tells a story set in the past when we put our characters there like first contact like star trek 4 um like the uh, uh the or past tense uh like the episodes of voyager where they're in the 90s so it's it's almost like a given that star trek will do that at some point and it's just like how much time are you going to spend there? How much of the story can or should get revealed there? Funny enough, right before we started the show tonight, I got an email from somebody who was complaining that this was like a budget cut to go film in L.A. I'm like, <laughs> do you know how expensive it is to film in L.A.? <laughs> they now? shut down all, everything around <laughs> Staples Center and the convention center, and that's yeah. not cheap. No, that's why everything's shot in Toronto. <laughs> not here, you know. So, um You know, it's legitimate for them to look at this and go like, all right, there is a certain kind of formula in certain Star Trek storytelling that affords us to do that. So let's do it. And and let's see if we can build, you know, a chunk of a season, like 70% of that season there and see what happens. And, you know, and very much to your point, I think they found a style then that is very definitive for this show. That is not a style as definitive for, you know, discovery or strange new worlds or whatever else is to come. Hey, I want to make sure Sam gets his time, but just one more thought uh, from the from the Earl Green Room. We were yes. thinking uh, after Alan's performance, which I haven't heard yet because I could, was just watching. But um... oh, I, I cannot wait for you to hear it. You got to yeah. go back, download the audio, put it in your MP3. Yeah. Anyway, the thought the thought is next time there's no new track on a particular week, Mission Log Live needs to have karaoke night where we do the Transformed Man, the the Legend of Bilbo Baggins, oh, you know, all of that. God, yes. Oh, the Legend of Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, that's right. All right. All right. Well, when we get to that point, when there is no new track to talk about, it's Mission Log Live karaoke party. I love it. Been along. Somebody's gonna have to do that. Okay. Always good to chat. Let's uh, let's get salmon as I'm watching the clock tip. All right. Take it easy, Matthew. Cheers. Take care. Somebody always does Faith of the Heart. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do. They're not required to. They don't have to. But somebody does. All right. Wrapping it up tonight. How are you tonight, Sam? Good. Good. Can you, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. We can. We can. What is on um, All right. So let's see. I, I I tuned in a little bit late, so I assume you talked about who the Borg Queen is from the first episode? Yes. And mm-hmm. we the, there was some speculation that that is the 
Agnes Gerardi queen. But the question became, if you heard Paul saying it, how would she know to say look up? Yeah, I don't know that yet. Okay. But, uh, you, but you're my, the one I'm counting on to figure it out. <laughs> I, I went back and watched the first episode after this because I was trying to figure out a few things. One, one, I wanted to hear the voice again on the bridge to see if it sounded like her, and I think uh-huh. it does. Um, the other thing is, though, I'm still thinking that I don't think it would affect any of the Borg stuff to come. Oh. I, I feel like she goes off does the good guy board org thing by herself. And so you think that she's just like a faction that is not going to go along with the rest of the collectives motivation. Yeah, I think Cause it's not the I, first time that's happened. Right. And I, so I think that she's her own faction doing her own thing. I don't know if she has, uh, I guess she might have drones and things like that, but not affiliated with all the Borg that we see. So all that stuff can still happen. They go away and then Agnes, the Borg queen has come back. That's why she's calling for Picard. She's something's happened and she's saying, I need help or I want to join. This is the, the Borg, not, not bad guy Borg saying, I want to join the Federation now, something like that, but that it's separate. Okay, here, here's what I like about all of this, because uh, obviously the, the whole idea of a Borg queen is still contentious among many Star Trek fans. But I've always thought if we're going to go that way, one of the ways to accept it is to say that the Borg queen is partly a function of the collective. Like, that that is something that they do. And they have created or will create many a Borg queen at some point. And they may be off doing different tasks in order to then come together to do other tasks. So I, I that fits in very nicely with that. And by the way, I think what, something we're all overlooking here, that somebody pointed out very wisely in the chat, oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Spencer says the Borg queen knows Locutus. Yeah, that's what I was. I just had that epiphany. I was memories like, yes, better than Picard does. Yes, that's so. The Borg Queen would know that Picard remembered that, even though he didn't remember that. Wow. So the the alternate Borg Queen that sort of knew the other timelines that is now with Agnes. Yeah. Knew knows Lacutus. Lacutus. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, I buy that. Because even if that is one of several Borg queens, those Borg queens presumably are sharing from the same body of knowledge. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the exact same Borg queen, but a Borg queen, given however many there may be, they they would have that information. That 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 engram that is Picard Locutus is still floating around out there in the collective somewhere. So, okay. Ooh. So one more thing, and. It, this may be related and it might not be. And that's the mystery. Mm-hmm. I still don't know why when the time, I still don't know why the timeline changed. First of all, we know we have an idea what's, what could cause the timeline to change, but why was it one way? And then the other, like something happened. We don't know who causes it or who might cause it. And then this, the second part to that is, Uh, which is what I brought up a few weeks ago is why do these people remember the Federation? Why not anyone else? Right. 
uh, and why specifically these people? You know, I mean, Beverly makes a comment about that in um, it's also a throwaway comment. It's in first contact. Like if everything has changed, then why isn't it affecting us? Hmm. And somebody has a theory of timey wimey nonsense. So, <laughs> well, okay. So, in first contact, the in first contact that was the that was explained. Well, you know, in the in techno babble that they followed the Borg sphere. And they were and they protected were by like, like a they bubble. They were kind of like trapped right. in that bubble. Yeah. Whereas this, the entire universe has changed around them, and. Again, only again. It's not the bodies; they didn't travel there. Only the consciousness, Their consciousness, yes, transferred. But not everyone, and I can't find any connection between them. Like a lot of them are on the bridge near the Borg Queen, so that's a possibility. But there's other people on the bridge, and I think Elnor's not there at all. I think he went to mm. the Excelsior. So I don't see any connection. At the moment, um, hopefully it'll be explained. Well, Rafi and episode. Elnor were both on the Excelsior. Oh yeah, that's right. And yeah. I mean, they were on another ship, but they were at that battle. I don't. It was not really right, a battle. but there was a lot of people. But there, there. were a lot of people because there yeah. were a lot of ships. So we're yeah. Did they so all get trans. I mean, <laughs> Q. I don't know. Q's crazy. That's yeah. But by, I don't. The way, the- I don't have any. Think it's Q yet. I don't well, think there Q is has done anything yet. Okay, I mean, there is an answer to this that uh, uh, Earl Green has dropped into the chat, and it's all spelled out for you in six letters, which is Q stuff. <laughs> so, so we we don't know for sure how much or how little Q had to do with this, but yeah, that I, I'm still baffled a bit by that of of why those memories, those consciousnesses, would end up where they are and i i don't know that we'll ever really get a resolution on that but yeah maybe not i i'm hoping if it's q then he would he could do it deliberately he would have a he he could do it yeah deliberately but he hasn't said anything he still seems kind of surprised that they're even there yeah Hmm. yeah Okay. Well, so, uh, interestingly enough, yeah, Paul is saying in the chat, you know, what about Q and all of this? And Elizabeth saying, you're reading my mind because we're all wondering the same thing. Well, well, here's the thing, though. All right. So the episode drops on Thursday. And uh, part of the fun of being in the Discord is uh, people's theories and ideas and spoilers galore. So we get to drop that and have that little bit of a chat and then come back here on Monday night and see how we did. <laughs> you know, So uh, I very much look forward to that. And I appreciate the further mind-blowing that you bring to the table, <laughs> uh, just as you were preceded tonight by other mind-blowing ideas. I appreciate it. And I hope we uh, see you here again next week. All right? All right. Thanks. Excellent. Take care, See Sam. Ya. All right. With that, uh, Holly, any uh, any final thoughts? Any any other uh, mind blowing things that, that you want to drop on us before? No, I have a Janeway headache. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's that's what it is. All right. Well, with that, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the inflammable Earl Green. <laughs> Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to Holly and thanks to everyone who has joined us live or later. We look forward to talking with you next week. Stay fresh, cheese bags.
This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.